I'm Victoria Lawrence. It is appealing Everything the traffic will allow Nowhere could you have that happy feeling When you are stealing that extra bow There's no people like show people They smile when they are low Yesterday they told you you would not go far That night you opened and there you are Next day on your dressing room they found a star Let's go like me you're a massive fan of theatre in general but musical theatre in particular you're going to enjoy this show it's called break a leg my name is ian cheeseman if you're a new listener welcome along it's great to have you you're with us and we we feature interviews we feature music we've got justin morehouse nick conway and rachel fairburn on the way and some great great music we're particularly focusing on comedy of course in this hour but first up here's a song from a brand new musical which is getting very very close to opening on Broadway. The musical's called Harmony. It's written by Barry Manilow. And here's one of those songs performed by the man himself. Broadway. Love songs. There's nothing quite like them. And I have one for you. No kidding. My collaborator Bruce Sussman and I have written a musical called Harmony. And, um... Thanks. In our musical... Two of our leading characters are contemplating getting married, and she's having second thoughts about it, and she says to him, you know, I take this decision very seriously. She says, if we make a mistake, we're going to regret it every single day for the rest of our lives. And he says, you know, you might be right, we might be making a mistake, but not the one you're worried about. Every single day, we'll remember what we do today. didn't say we'll remember every single day then years go by to wonder why and wonder what we learned was that the bridge we should have crossed the one we burned every empty night Read a life that could have been Maybe you were right Just forget that emptiness within So if you go Before that moment's gone Look at me the way I'll remember every single day From I don't know what the man I'd love to be That's not the way it turned out No, you fell in love with me Everything you doubt I will fight for every single day Help me work it out Make it right for every single day but this I swear and stake my life upon. If you go or 
every single day from Harmony the Musical, soon to be a Broadway production. Right, we're going to meet uh, Justin Morehouse, comedian extraordinaire, in just a moment, but the theme of this hour is comedy. So... Book of Mormon is a comedy musical, which I absolutely love. We can't play most of the tracks off it, but this is one I can play. It's called You and Me and Mostly Me. I've always had the hope that on the day I go to heaven, Heavenly Father will shake my hand and say, You've done an awesome job, Kevin. Now it's our time to go out and set the world's people free. And we can do it together, you and me, but mostly me. You and me, but mostly me, are gonna change the world forever. Cause I can do most anything. And I can stand next to you and watch. Sidekick. Every captain needs a mate. Every dinner needs a side dish on a slightly smaller plate. And now we're seeing eye to eye. It's a great we cannot agree that Heavenly Father has chosen you and me, just mostly me. Something From the comedy musical Book of Mormon, which has been running in the West End now for nine years, I believe, and toured to Manchester not too long ago. That was you and me, but mostly me. Right, Justin Morehouse is a name you're probably familiar with. He's a stand-up comedian, but he's done so much more. He's been in shows with Peter Kay and all sorts of stuff. And I met him recently at a book launch uh, for Jonathan Say, a local man who's got his new book out. We'll hear more from Jonathan in future weeks about his connection to theatre. But Justin was there to support his friend... And so I took the opportunity to speak to him about his career on stage as a stand-up comedian. So what is it that makes it magic? Is that standing on stage and the, the roar of the grease paint and the smell of the crowd, what drew him to it? I think so. I think my favourite times when I'm doing... Obviously, I do stand-up. I always do it in pubs and clubs and gigs and comedy clubs. But when you get on a stage, on a proper stage, it's a real kind of experience. You feel privileged to do that. Often uh, comedians will turn up at theatre and we feel like, like the proverbial pig in muck. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think the idea of... And I think it's really important as well is that since we've come back from the pandemic, I've noticed that we really missed this coming together. Because the theatre isn't about the one person stood on stage looking out. It's about all the hundreds of people looking in. That's the theatre. That's where the real stories are, the people that come together. This idea of collective and a kind of uh, communion that you get, and I know you're a football man, you get that at football as well. But this... But people in theatre are from all sorts of different walks of life. Not everyone who goes to theatre is a My Fair Lady fan. You know, it's not, it's not the same, is it? They've all come together for this common purpose. And I think when we came back from the pandemic, that was really brought into sharp focus about how, how important it is, people being together. I don't know if you had any experience of watching anything on Zoom and things like that. Terrible. Yeah, it's so bad. It was so bad. I've even been asked to, to do a talk for people on yeah. Zoom. And you, because you don't have the eye contact, and no. when you're on stage, you've got them lights in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. But you still get that vibe, don't you? Oh, you it? can hear them. You can feel them. You can see them walking out. You can see them shifting uncomfortably. I always think that when you're on, especially doing stand-up comedy, I always feel like you're the conductor and the audience is a band. And you know, like a conductor, I never knew this until I read about it, that a conductor sometimes will just want more from his string section or he'll want less from his percussions and that's what you do as a comedian you're, you're pulling the audience along with you and doing things so yeah it was rubbish it was rubbish missing that so yeah I think theatres are important I know you cover some I mean in the Greater Manchester area some incredible theatres I'll be uh, performing at Bolton Octagon uh, this year and I've done the Lowry and you know it's a shame when you see theatres we're in Ashton recording this at the moment and obviously there's no theatre here anymore and Oldham's just closed down I did the the last the, the sort of farewell night for that so we've got to look after these places and make sure that you know we understand how important they are for communities and there's community hubs as well it's not just the shows that happen it's all the work they do with kids and you know and the pensioners who come in on a Tuesday matinee for a cup of tea and, a, and watch a show they're really really important things do you know I found this out when I was I did a couple of plays at the Royal Exchange and I sort of read more about Manchester Theatre there used to be a theatre so going from the Palace to the Opera House Back in the uh, turn of the century, there was about 20 theatres going down there, variety palaces and different things. And we, we, obviously, television came along, the radio and things. You don't need them as much as you do. But it's very important that we don't lose any more, or, or, and when they do go, that they come back, in the case of Oldham, brighter and better, and maybe doing as much, if not more, for the community. Yeah, you mentioned the Coliseum there, and I know it was a very emotional night. I know quite a few people who were involved in that mm. show, in, including Steve Royal, for example, yep. a comedian, who I'm sure you know very well. Uh, and it was, it was sort of like all that history had been mm. swept away. But what I would say is that I was at a community show last week, which was full of... It had pensioners in it, it had kids in it, it had kids with... You know, illnesses, if you like, or... or challenges. Challenges, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way of putting it. And that was, to me, as fulfilling to watch and engage with as anything. And when you go to somewhere like uh, Hyde Festival Theatre or mm. somewhere like I that... I performed there. I did, uh, my, I, did, uh, my, I did... No, I did The King and I there <laughs> in about 1982. I was third child to the left. <laughs> oh, I thought you were the king then. No, no. Oh, I'm all right, thank you. We're yeah. getting offered food here while yeah, we're sitting. Oh, yeah, this is, this is a highlight. <laughs> Which is very rare. You or I would probably turn that down. You never thought this was Ashton United. You're getting offered salmon, <laughs> salmon canapes. Yeah. So when, when you did that last show at the Coliseum, mm. I mean, was that emotional for you? It was, and I because I'd done my tour show only a few weeks before uh, there, and I also I remember when the lockdown was on, the Old Coliseum lit a light on the stage because it was a, an old theatre tradition that you'd always keep a lamp on. I thought it was really lovely, and I just think so much good has come out of that place that it'd be a shame to, it, for not to carry on. 
So yeah, it was emotional. And, and you mentioned Stephen. Stephen and I were there together, and we did a bit, and it was a bit. We had a bit of cheeky time, really. Because say what you want, we never, we're never not going to get booked again, so it's fine. <laughs> Now, you've obviously done some huge things as well. You've been on television, you've worked in the, what do we call it now, the AO Arena, the MEN Arena, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, with Peter Kay doing yeah. his shows. What is the difference between those small ones and the oh. big ones? Do they feel very different? Well, if you're talking from like a stand-up comedian's point of view, I, I'm not a fan of the theatre, the arena shows. I just think they're too big, and I think that sometimes a bit of a cash grab, aren't they? You know, the people go in there and the demand is such that people have to do them. There's the um, Hammersmith Apollo, where they film live at the Apollo, is an incredible theatre for stand-up. And so is our own Apollo. The Manchester Apollo is a great one as well. Big enough so you've got that sort of wave of laughter that goes to the back of the room and then comes back again. You have to time it differently. But for me, I think stand-up comedy works brilliantly in front of a packed audience of between 500 and 600 people. Somewhere like... Um, like Bolton Oxford or somewhere like that there. And if they're all round like they are they're together, they're a bit round you, that's always always great. But there's so many great places round here that I've um I remember doing the Gracie Fields Theatre, that's no longer with, does Is it not there anymore? I don't know, I don't know about that. I don't see it on the circuit as much. Um but the Coliseum, the Tameside Theatre where I performed, the Panto, yeah, the same side. Davenport in Stockton. Davenport, a lot of these places have gone and thankfully places like the Plaza you know, are going and they've got their own unique angle. And Romley Forum, let's not miss out there. There's, so there's still plenty of places. I'm doing the Garrick on tour, which is a great theatre, perfect. That's going to be the last uh, night of my tour. And I'm, um, I don't talk about my charity work too much, Mr Cheeseman, but um, all the money for that from that one is going to the Francis House. Because it's, you know, it's Francis House, Children's Hospital, you can't not, can you? No. So that's that one, Waterside and South. So I'm doing loads of local theatres. People know me more around the M60 than they do anywhere else, so you have to make hay while the sun shines. Absolutely, good for you. I mean, what has been your proudest moment in a theatre? I did two plays at the Royal Exchange, two lovely, lovely plays. I did a play called Zach, which is my first this serious thing. The serious Justin Morris, yeah, then. Yeah, the serious Justin Morris. <laughs> but then I did a Jim Cartwright play called Two, where it's only two actors, and you play seven parts each, and you play all the ages of man. And it was all mimed, there was no props, costume changes, and that was incredible that that building and that sort of theater space is incredible and to do that and we got really good reviews and we knew you, you, you know when you're doing some work some whatever it is whether you're writing an article whether you're doing a football country as you've done for many many years you know the times when you hit it you know the times when you've been and it might not be the big matches where your favorite team's winning it might be when you're describing the sort of the dreariness of a, a two-all draw away at, you know, Wigan when City were down there. It could be that, couldn't it? But you know you've done your job and you're on. And when you know it's going well and you know you've done your thing and, and, you, and you can't put a foot wrong, it's like tennis players talk about the ball seeming massive, you know, or something like that, or the pockets getting bigger at a snooker game. That's what it's like for me. When, 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 it, when, when I did that play, by the end of it, I was just dancing and, and panicking about how many nights we had left. It was 11 years ago now and I still think about it every day. You're going to go back to doing something like that? I think so, if I got asked, but it's not the sort of thing... Because I'm a comedian, you get offered a lot of comedy stuff and things like that. And I did, I've done, like I said, I've done two great plays at the Royal Exchange. My fear is if I do another one and it's rubbish, <laughs> where would that go? But I, I'm always available into listening. I'm always available. <laughs> now, just what I do with all the older guests that I have on the programme is ask them about... Um, so I can play a song, basically, for yeah, yeah. you. Have you got a favourite musical or a favourite musical song? A favourite musical? I'm a massive, huge fan of everything uh, to do with the producers. So if I was going to... If you're going to play me a producer song, um, I'm trying to think of one, but we could do... Um, 
something that is allowed. Because <laughs> <laughs> my son was in that. He's an Amdram and he was yeah, in yeah. it. And I've, I watched it just recently and I thought, yeah, yeah. it's one of them you can't can't watch, yeah. play everything. Can no, you? no, I don't. I wouldn't choose a Book of Mormon for that for that reason. <laughs> one or two you can play Book yeah. of Mormon. But I tell you what, you choose something from the producers for me. Uh, maybe it could be. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're sort of the. They're all great, aren't they? I mean, springtime for Hitler is amazing, but I mean, I don't know whether they... Yeah, edit, you choose. I'll let you be the judge. And where can we see you, Justin? Where can we see you on stage? Well, you've got to find out where I am. JustinMorrows.com is the best place to find out. And like I say, round here, I'm doing Bolton, I'm doing Ultragum, I'm doing Sale. I'm popping up on stage in Berry at the Met and places like that, doing stand-up. So all my details are all on my website. I keep me diary very much up to date. Well, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Oh, nice to see like. you. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks to all the listeners who obviously uh, keep theatres going round here because it's very, very important. The very, very skillful and talented and lovely man Justin Morehouse about stand-up com- comedians and what it's like to be on stage. And he picked Springtime for Hitler. Now, I actually saw an Amdram version of this, uh, which is the producers. Uh, the bit you're going to hear now, the song he's picked, Springtime for Hitler, which, of course, is a spoof and written by Mel Brooks. And I think you'll hear him briefly in this as well. This is Springtime for Hitler from the producers. Germany was having trouble Dusseldorf and that is why they call me Rolf. Don't be stupid, be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party.
local across the Ribble Valley. 106.7. This is Ribble FM. You're listening to Break a Leg. My name is Ian Cheeseman. I've already heard from one comedian, Justin Morehouse. We've got another on the way, Rachel Fairburn, who'll be at the Opera House in Manchester in the non-too-distant future. Now, Nick Conway was a comedy actor, particularly well-known at the end of the 1980s for the show Bread, set on Merseyside. He's a massive, massive fan of theatre generally, and we'll meet him in just a moment or two. But first of all, the hit single theme tune that came from Bread... This is that theme tune. Gotta get up, gotta get out. Grab the world by the throat and shout. Gotta find it, get us a share. Make it red out of nothing but air. Riding high and hitting the ground. Catching the penny, but missing the pound. Doesn't matter. Someone's stealing you a losing cause Gotta fight it, get us a share that bring back some memories a theme from bread the sitcom in the late 80s set on merseyside and one of the stars nick conway played billy boswell yes it was the boswell family i interviewed not too long ago uh, the first part has already been transmitted as part of break a leg we've got a third part to come in the future but this is part two and i asked him if he knew bill kenwright the impresario the chairman of everton by the way or certainly he was i don't know what they're up to these days at everton but anyway also a character of course in coronation Street. So, did Nick know him? Had he come across him? Yeah, I, I did. I did. I did actually. Um, on um, this is going to sound really show busy, but I became friends with Rita Tushingham because um, she um, appeared. She was one of Carla Lane's mates, and she, she appeared in a few episodes of Bread. 
and we just became really good mates. I don't know, he's got the same sort of sense of humour. And, uh, yeah, I was on her, This Is Your Life, and um, Bill Kenwright was on there. He's a very friendly chap, yeah. Um, I've not worked with him personally. I do know a lot of people who've been in Blood Brothers, um, and they've worked with him, obviously. Um, that show's just toured and toured, doesn't it, over the years? I, I, I saw the original production um, back when we were doing Bread. Um, that was in, uh, not been, been about 86, 85, something like that, um, at the... I think it was the Royal Court Theatre in Liverpool. And then that production then went on to um, uh, the West End in London and ran for years and Broadway and all that. And it's it's the sort of, it's the uh, Blood Brothers that you see now still. It's, it's pretty much the same show. Um, yeah, very good. Con, Con O'Neill played the young lad in it. I remember that very distinctly. And um, yeah, he was, he, was, he was excellent in it. I wrote a newspaper column this week talking about all right. the demise of sort of uh, cinema a little bit because I went to one long to watch The Little Mermaid, which of course is a musical. It has been oh, is it? I've seen on stage as well. And uh, I, I compared the the sort of it felt a little bit run down going to the cinema and they attended uh, very poor. Whereas I'm seeing theatres absolutely rammed wherever I go, whether it's amateur oh, that's good. Yeah. Well it's it's professional. Is that because theatre is is more in touch with its audience and, and offers a bigger variety or what do you think the reason theatres thriving for i just think it's more of a complete night out isn't it you know i i think you know um something happens in a live performance where uh, there's some kind of experience that goes on there. it's a shared experience with the performers and um the, the the audience and the performers combine and something happens that night and it's something strange you know it's like i can do a play um on tour for, I don't know, I'm thinking about something like An Evening with Gary Lenica, the play I did for quite a long time on, on the road. It was a very good comedy, set during Italian 90s. So obviously, I was uh, I was well into that, being a soccer fan, you know. Um, and uh, it, took, it was a number one tour. I went up and down the country, and it's, it was funny how it varies from town to town, and you get this different energy off the audience, if you know what I mean. So it's a, this combination of the, of the cast and the, and, the, and the audience, you know, if they're, if they're up for it, you know, um, something very special happens where the audience just kind of lose their... It's a bit like um, they lose their egos almost, do you know what I mean? Everyone, like, relaxes and themselves, you know, it's the same as football, you know, where else? You, you see people who are never animated at all in life suddenly screaming and shouting and going, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, or, or hugging each other. Men don't hug. Generally, some men don't, but when there's football going on, they'll be jumping all over each other, you know what I mean? <laughs> Kissing going, but I'm, I'm taking that way further on than it is, but there's something about the emotions that's there in the theatre. Maybe that just um, that just cuts through live performance, whatever it is, you know. Um, that, the, the great, I, I used to love this performer, David Byrne, from the Talking Heads, because I just love what he did on stage and how he presented himself and the ideas he used to put into his everything he did his videos and the way he used to take things directly from say religion and put it into his performance and he used to, he used to say um in a live performance something happens where the audience and musicians all lose their egos at once or throughout the evening and it's a great way of putting it and it's the same thing that happens in churches when people are you know it's it's, it's an emotional experience almost spiritual you know that sounds really really well really out there but i don't know there is something moving about it and i've been on the i've been on stage with um classical performers and when you hear those strings live and they're playing around you that is a moving experience 
it really is, you know, um, music touches people immensely and drama does as well, you know. So, yeah, um, I just think there's a lot to gain from it. You can have some horrible nights in the theatre as well, but it just isn't working. The play's too long and it's laboured and preachy and just, oh, come on, get to the point. You know, you get a bit of that sometimes, but I think these days um, most things I see are very, very tight. You know, they're, they're incredibly well-directed with so much thought put into them and imagination that, you know, they credit the audience with quite a bit of intelligence, you know. If you take something like this, complicity, what they were doing, a lot of their stuff's like mime and everything, but they, if you see an actor just flap their hands around, they're going, that's a bird now. You just go, yeah, yeah, that's a bird. So it's amazing. It, 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 they, they treat the audience like they're really clever and they, they'll do something. They'll just accept that it's going to be accepted by the audience, yeah? You're so right. That's a really good way to be. That's a really good way to be, I think. Yeah. That suspension of reality, which is sort of yeah. what you're talking about, really. Yeah, yeah. Find stunning. And yeah. uh, you're right, lots of things happen in theatres that, that you just have to accept. But I was watching a, a play at the Lowry a couple of weeks ago, The Way Old Friends Do, which was about two gay men who form, yeah. have a tribute band in drag. And oh, early on right. in the show, within, yeah. I would say, uh, five minutes of the start, one of the yeah. two main characters came on stage and collapsed, just straight oh. collapsed. And so that the first instinct is this is part of the play, right? Then you yeah, realize yeah. something's gone wrong and you really right. think for a minute. And then the show, the house lights come on and off they go. And it took them about five or ten minutes and then they resumed with the same actors as if nothing had happened. So to me, oh. that's a few stories in there. First of all, how you carry on when something goes wrong. Um, the yeah. fact that, you, that suspended watching of a show suddenly stops for 10 minutes and yet instantly as soon as they turn the house lights down and the actor yeah. comes out, you're back to where you were and that is that could only happen yeah. theater can't it yeah i mean it hasn't um i i've seen that happen once where uh, an actor who's funny enough coming in to take over part i was in a, it was in willie russell's breezy block park and the very moment the character that i played um this um boy who's got sort of PST, ADHD, whatever he's got, and he, he just explodes with rage. He's a very quiet lad. Um, and at that very moment, the um, the actor who was coming in, I watched the rehearsal, and he actually did start having a fit. And we, for a few seconds, we thought that was his act. And we thought, oh, that's, that's wow, that's a new take on it. But then clearly he wasn't well, and he got carted off to hospital, you know, unfortunately. So, But you're saying this guy... Um, and then, of course, everyone just gets on with it. You know, they just, right, uh, the, the stage manager will go on and read that part in. It's, you just sort of like, the show must go on sort of thing. But, yeah, the, I mean, the audience have that capacity, don't they? It's like the interval, isn't it? You, you, you know, you go back to the second half and, you know, back we're in again. Um, one minute you're having a nice scream and chatting with your friends, the next minute you switch back into the play again. So, you know, the audience does have that capacity to, um, to concentrate back into where we were in the, in the play. But you're saying the same actor who did collapse then carried on for the rest of the show. That's amazing. And it was amazing, I can tell you. Um, so uh, it just shows you the talent of people who are on stage, that they can do that. And that was Nick Conway from Bread. We'll hear part three of that interview in a coming week. But on the theme of humour and comedy and musicals, from Avenue Q, here's the end show, the end of the show show, the final song it's called For Now. Why does everything have to be so hard? Maybe you'll never find your purpose. Lots of people don't. But then I don't even know why I'm alive. Well, who does, really? Everyone's a little bit unsatisfied. Everyone goes round a little empty inside. Take a breath, look around, swallow 
your pride for now for now nothing lasts life goes on full of surprises you'll be faced with problems of all shapes and sizes you're going to listening to In Cheese when the show's called Break a Leg all things theatrical and musical theatre rules of great music, interviews already with Justin Morehouse and Nick Conway, Rachel Fairburn the comedian is on the way very very soon not only speaking to me but at the Opera House in Manchester but first up, whatever happened to the kids from fame have you ever wondered that? well, not too long ago as the friends of fame, most of them got back together to record this single it's called Satellite Travel in your stratosphere above all the confusion that surrounds us here. Satellite, do you see the 
Watch flowers grow on graveyards choked by weeds. Can you see tomorrow? Is there such a word? Are you also blinded? Fame these days known as Friends of Fame with their single Satellite back in the 80s. What a great show that was. Now, Rachel Fairburn is from Harper Hay, but she'll be at the Opera House in Manchester on the 9th of September in Showgirl. Comedian extraordinaire. So will it be special for her to be on the stage at the Opera House? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I always start or finish my tours in Manchester, but we wanted to do something really special this time, and I, I don't think you can get better than the Opera House, really, can it? I mean, it's going to be great, I think. As a comedian, you obviously have to have a relationship with your audience out there. I mean, that's the whole dynamic of the thing. Is it easier or difficult when you play in a smaller venue and it, as, a, as opposed to a big venue? Well, it's weird because when you do smaller venues, it, it's, it, it's like when it's a bigger venue and there's more people in, it's like the audience become one entity, if that makes sense. It's like you're chatting to one big 
thing. Whereas if you're doing a smaller gig, like say if you're at like the Frog and Bucket on a Saturday night doing your normal comedy set, you've got more of an opportunity to be sort of, you see the, the more individuals in the crowd, as it were, and you, you know you can chat individually to people. But yeah, when it is, and I don't know which one I prefer, I like both, but I do like it when there's a lot of people in and it just be like one big, like one big entity that you're chatting to. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely a different sort of, um, two different experiences, yeah. You must have seen people who you admire performing in like the O2 and places like that. Do you look at that and feel, I, I, I doubt you're going to say yes, but would that fill you with dread thinking, how do I work <laughs> that audience, people right at the back like that? Well, well, I've done um, I've done tour support for Jack Whitehall. So I, I got the chance to go on at Brighton Dome, which I think was 6,000. Not obviously not as big as the O2 or the, the uh, arena. But uh, I got to do that, and it, it's um, as I say, it's it's that other different experience. It becomes that one entity again, and it's it's like you, the thing is, you, you'll know that obviously people, there's some people at the back just getting the drinks in, and they're not they're not even bothered about you being a support act on the stage. But it's just you, you always get the, the pockets of people that are listed, and it becomes one. And it's quite amazing. But uh, I, I don't know if, and, and I've been to see Mickey Flanagan at the um, Manchester Arena. That was good. I just I don't know if I like watching comedy in places that are too big. Anyway, I think I think somewhere like, you know, the Opera House is perfect. Or I've seen people at the Apollo, and that's perfect as well. But anything bigger than that, I think it sort of loses a little bit. I'm a bit of a fan of Ricky Gervais, and uh, I noticed oh, yeah. a lot of the venues that he goes round, he could probably sell out the O2 over and over again, but he chooses to go to the Apollo, he chooses to go to the smaller one. So I wonder whether it's in his mind to think it's much more fulfilling for him as a performer to be in them smaller venues. Oh, I would definitely say so. I bet that is definitely a factor in him um, doing that because I. Yeah, it's and, and also it's sort of you do lose a bit of intimacy. You do there's something that is is lost, you know, that when something's so big, you know, and especially when I think there's a factor of people when it's an arena, people do get up in the audience and move around quite a bit, and you know, they're going in and out to the bar. But I do think a theatre setting is more like here's a show, sit down, pay attention. So yeah, I think that he definitely must think there's some uh, there's definitely some thought behind that. You will have your own following, of course, but I'm sure you'd love people to come along who've never seen you before and never enjoyed your comedy before. What would you say to, to people listening to this who are thinking, I wouldn't mind a comedy night out, but what's Rachel Fairburn all about? How, how, how would you tell yourself? <laughs> well, I'd say if you want to come along and just have a laugh, then come to watch me because I do, there's, there's joke, joke, joke. Listen, the other day I was actually going through material and I thought too many jokes in this which is a ridiculous thing for a comedian to say uh, but I, I, my, my priority as it should be for a comedian is jokes and a lot of my jokes are based around everyday life things that annoy me i mean let's face it we all love being irritated don't we things that irritate me things that annoy me you know there's stuff about being working class uh the stuff about my middle class friends the things about my friends having children things about me not having children there's something for everyone you know and i think um yeah, I, I just think if you want to come along and laugh for a bit, for an hour, more than an hour, then do come along. I've got a support act as well. There'll be a support act. And we let's face it, we're in a cost of living crisis. Every person that buys a ticket, I cannot express how much I appreciate that. But, and I will make sure that you have a good night. So if you've decided to spend your money on me, you will laugh. Earlier in the show, people will have heard my interview with Justin Morehouse, who, of course, is another oh. comedian. And uh, I was talking to him a little bit about 
you know, how comedy's changed in the last few years because, you know, the, the, I've seen some people suggesting there's a threat to comedy that you can't say what you want. And I mentioned Ricky before and he, he says, I just do what I want and I don't care. But there are a lot of comedians who are trying to be careful now to negotiate this not being cancelled culture. Where are you on all that? But it's funny you mentioned Justin because he's a good mate of mine. I was actually just messaging him <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Um, where do I stand on that? It's, it's a difficult one because I'm not what you'd class as a controversial comedian, you know. And I, I, think, I think every topic should be up for comedy. I think it's... I, th- I think a lot of people as well do hear somebody um, start a topic and then they panic because they think they're going to say something that that's going to be controversial or whatever. And, and I, I just think everybody... I think in a comedy setting, it is, you know, it's a joke. The main thing is it's a joke. And I think everything should be up uh, for grabs uh, when it comes to comedy. I think if you're going to start policing what people say, that you, you're not necessarily going to get an authentic voice coming through, you know? And, and I just think people do hear certain words or certain topics and then immediately panic instead of hearing what the joke about it will be. I fully believe you should be able to joke about anything. Look, there's comedians that do material that I don't like, that I think, well, I don't like that. You know, comedians that I'm fans of, you know, I'm a big fan of the comedian Bill Burr. Uh, and he, 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 I think he's brilliant. And I love 80% of his material, but there's certain stuff that he does that I go, I don't like that material. And I find that it makes me like go, no, that's a turn off for me. But I don't think he should not be allowed to do it. I think you should fully be allowed to do it. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean to say that someone shouldn't do it, you know? And it is comedy. Come on. Let's just have, you know, let's have the jokes. I just think everything. Nothing's uh, off limits. Because let's face it, if somebody really was so offensive and horrible and nasty and, and talking about topics that was, you know, make it, if they were really punching down, and they, then they wouldn't be working. It just would, they just wouldn't be working. But I just think we all need to take a step back and just think, well, it's comedy. And, you know, sometimes in life you are going to hear things that you don't like. It's just tough, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, obviously, <laughs> as well as theatre, as well as comedy like uh, you represent, I go and watch a lot of musical theatre. And just recently I was at Avenue Q. I'm a big fan of Booker Mormon. And those are both two comedy musicals that are slightly subversive. And I sit there mm-hmm. laughing hysterically and loving those shows, but also thinking... Is there, a, is there a danger that at some point in the future these two shows are not going to allow to be run, running anymore? That's, that's always in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I just love to laugh, just like everybody else, but I'm just worried about what the future is. I know we're going a bit philosophical here, but I just want to... No, I, on that. I, think there's more, I think there's more people that do think, you know, joke about what you want. Uh, let's, let's take the mickey out of most things, you know, let, let's laugh at life. I think there's more people... Uh, I think the problem is I think satire suffers slightly because of of, uh, people being a little bit worried about what's joke about. I think satire in this country is definitely sort of, it's not what it used to be, you know. And and things like Brass Eye wouldn't get made now. A hundred percent they wouldn't get made now. Uh, So I do think, you know, there is sort of maybe a culture around, well, let's not do that just in case. But I think think most people either A, don't care, or want to hear you know how, how do you also sometimes how do you form an opinion if you don't hear a different opinion that's the other thing that i think as well you know i'm a big advocate of listening to people that i don't agree with because i'd rather somebody told me what they thought 
than kept it to themselves and, you know, let things fester. So I, I think we need to be more sort of... Uh, I want to hear different opinions, you know, and I want to... It's like I've got friends who, who vote completely opposite to me. And, you know, I've worked with people who have... You know, I've worked with very religious people and I'm not a religious person. And I just think that we need to get to a point where we respect other people and disagree. But also, I think the important thing is, I do agree, I think we do need to laugh. But I, I don't think it's in danger. I, I don't think things are going to be stopped because I think most people are of the opinion of let's, let's sort of laugh at things, let's hear what people have got to say. Well, great answer. Um... I know this is an unfair question in a way, but have you got a joke you can tell us? Have you got a favourite joke? I mean, I don't want to spoil oh, it, so give something oh, away. I well, I haven't got anything from my show that's... Everything's a bit too long from my show, but I'll tell you an old joke that I made up that you could tell a kid, so, you know, something for everyone. How long does it take to walk a dog in Mexico? Two hours. <laughs> my son there will love go. that. He's got a chihuahua. <laughs> oh, tell him. Tell him. <laughs> Have you got a favourite musical, by the way, just to finish off? Because uh, obviously I play a lot of music from musicals. So have you got oh. a favourite musical? Oliver. Oliver? Yeah, absolutely my favourite. Love it. Love it. Have Oliver. you got a favourite song from that? Ooh, my favourite song. Uh, I've had loads of songs from it. I, I used to... Oh, OK, let me think. Um, Consider Yourself. There you go. Yeah, I love that song. Well, I'll play that for you, yeah. Rachel. Uh, break a leg Thank when you. you're in the Opera House. Thank and, you very much. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, whole, I'm, I'm assured that the whole place will be roaring with laughter, so uh, lovely to speak to you. Lovely to speak to you too. See you soon. Rachel Fairburn, showgirl, Opera House Manchester, Saturday the 9th of September. The song she selected from Oliver finishes this hour, Consider Yourself. Consider Yourself at home. Consider Yourself one of the family. I've taken to you so strong. It's clear. Consider yourself well in. Consider yourself part of the furniture. There isn't a lot to spare. Who cares whatever we got we share? If it's your chance to be, we should see some harder days. Empty line of days, white grouse. Always a chance we'll meet somebody to foot the bill. Then the drinks are on the house. Consider yourself.
106.7 FM, streaming from our website and on smart speakers, live and local, across the Ribble Valley, Ribble FM News. From the Sky News Centre at 10, seven children and one adult have been rescued after being left dangling over a canyon in a broken cable car in Pakistan. Two were winched to safety by helicopter. The rest had to be pulled along by zip wire. Chairlifts are commonly used as cheap transport in remote areas. Faisal Karim Kundis from the Pakistan People's Party. It's not been looked after properly. So the Prime Minister has today directed all the concerned authorities to look at the, all the cable cars and check whether they are up to the mark or not. If they're not up to the mark, they will be closed. A judge has criticised police for looking after one of their own as a former Met officer was jailed for 16 years for a series of rapes. Adam Provan repeatedly attacked a colleague and a teenage girl. Scotland Yards apologised for not taking seriously allegations made by his first victim. Lauren Taylor, who was attacked years later, says she'd been worried about going to police. How am I going to let these police officers look after me like he was supposed to do that for people but I think over time like they have been more to me than some family have and I feel like that really shows the people that they are. A child has died after falling ill at Camp Bestival in Shropshire on Saturday morning. They were treated at the scene before being rushed to hospital. Scientists say MRI scans should be used in early screenings for prostate cancer. They say they are more accurate than blood tests that look for a protein called PSA. To sport, and Rangers finished 2 all at home to PSV Eindhoven in the first leg of their Champions League qualifying playoff. Abdallah Sima and Rabi Matondo scored in each half for the hosts. And England have been dealt a blow ahead of Rugby World Cup with captain Owen Farrell missing their first two matches of next month's tournament. His red card for a high challenge against Wales was initially overturned, but the sport's governing body's appeal has been successful. That's the latest I'm Victoria Lawrence. Welcome back to the second hour of Break a Leg with me in Cheeseman, all things theatrical and musical theatre. And you know, this week I was watching a BBC documentary, an old interview with the great Doris Day, and it inspired me. This week, three great musical women are the subject of this particular hour. A little bit later on, we'll hear music from Julie Andrews and from Sally Ann Howes, who was the star of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang alongside the great Dick Van Dyke. So those are the three ladies that we'll be featuring in this particular hour. We're starting with Doris Day and this is one of those definitive songs by her. The Deadwood Stage, you must have sung this many, many times. Wick Crack Away from Calamity Jane. The Deadwood stages are rolling on over the plains With the curtains flapping and the driver slapping the reins A beautiful sky, a wonderful day Whip, crack away, whip, crack away, whip, crack away Oh, the Deadwood stages are heading on over the hills Where the engine arrows are thicker than porcupine quills Dangerous land, no time to delay Away, whip, crack away, whip, crack away. We're heading straight for town, loaded down with the fancy cargo. Care of Wells and Fargo, Illinois. Bye! Oh, the Deadwood stage is coming on over the crest. Like a homing pigeon that's a hankering after its nest. 23 miles we've covered today. So, whip, crack 
song from Calamity Jane, the Deadwood stage, and I bet you couldn't help singing along with that. Even if you didn't know it, you'd know it by the end of it. We've got four more songs from Doris on the way, who was born in Cincinnati in Ohio on April the 3rd, 1922. Sadly, she passed away in 2019, but at the age of 97, in her favourite place on earth, the Carmel Valley in California. And, uh, well, she was just uh, one of those women that inspired me into musical theatre or watching musical theatre. I hear another song now. Well, in fact, we're going to play two back-to-back from Calamity Jane, A Woman's Touch, and then a song, according to the documentary, called Secret Love, that she recorded in one take, because that was a professional she was. We can fix it up, Calam. Make it real nice. All it needs is a woman's touch. A woman's touch. touch a woman's touch the magic of aladdin couldn't do as much she's a wizard she's a champ and she doesn't need a lamp a woman's touch can weave a spell the kind of hocus pocus that she does so well with the magic of a broom you can mesmerize a room Then presto change suddenly the sun comes shining through. And what does Mr. Sunshine say to you? How do you do? 
It makes you blink to stop and think. A worm and a wisp broom can accomplish so darn much. So never underestimate a woman's touch. Just how wonderful you are 
Secret Love, Doris Day from Calamity Jane. Now, I've only got time to play songs from two or three of her musicals, but she was involved in a lot of them. In 1963, she was in an American comedy film with James Garner, uh, who she loved, I know, as a fellow actor. And this, this song, Move Over Darling, is one that, even if you don't know it by Doris Day, I'm sure you've heard it many, many times, Move Over Darling, the title song. Doris Day. One more to come now from the great Doris Day. And you know this one and you'll be singing along to this one. Every football crowd sings this as well when they're off to Wembley. K Sarah Sarah. But did you know it came from an Alfred Hitchcock film called The Man Who Knew Too Much? If you didn't, you do now. But it won't stop you singing along, will it? When I was just a She said to me, Kay said, said all, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Kay said, I said, what will be, will be. When I grew up and fell in love, I asked my sweetheart, what lies ahead? 
Hour, we celebrated the great Doris Day. I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is Break a Leg. We've got Sally Ann Howes on the way a little later. But next up, the brilliant Julie Andrews. And of course, Sound of Music and Mary Poppins have to feature in this section because she was just super califragilistic, expialidocious, wasn't she? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound because I was afraid to speak, well I was just a lad. My father gave me nails at week, told me I was bad. But then one day I learned a word to say, we ain't the nose. The biggest word you ever heard, and this is how it goes. I said it to me girl, and now me girl's me wife. Oh, and a lovely thing she is too. <laughs> She's In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap. The job's a game. And every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake. A lark, a spree, it's very clear to see that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. 
a most delightful way. A robin feathering his nest has very little time to rest while gathering his bits of twine and twig. Though quite intent in his pursuit, he has a merry tune to toot. He knows a song will move the job along. For a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoon. Of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. Sugar from Mary Poppins, and that, of course, is the brilliant Julie Andrews. Before that, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I could say it backwards at one stage, but I'm not going to try it now. Now, we'll be hearing songs from Sound of Music inevitably in a moment. Well, she was in other musicals as well, like My Fair Lady, and I could have danced all night. Not for all the jewels in the crown 
Andrews uh, from My Fair Lady and I Could Have Danced All Night. Three in a row now from Sound of Music. Uh, Dore Mee's on the way. Her version, which wasn't, of course, in the film, of the brilliant Edelweiss, one of my favourite songs of all time. But first, I have confidence. What will this day be like? I wonder. be I wonder it could be so exciting to be out in the world to be free my heart should be wildly rejoicing oh what's the matter with me 
I've always longed for adventure To do the things I've never dared Now here I'm facing adventure Then why am I so scared? A captain with seven children What's so fearsome about that? Oh, I must stop these doubts, all these worries. If I don't, I just know I'll turn back. I must dream of the things I am seeking. I am seeking the courage I lack. The courage to serve them with reliance. Pace my mistakes without defiance. Show them I'm worthy. And while I show them... They'll put me to the test But I'll make them see I have confidence in me Somehow I will impress them I will be firm but kind And all those children, heaven bless them They will look up to me And mind me with each step I am more certain Everything will turn out fine I have confidence the world can all be mine They'll have to agree I have confidence in me. I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. I have confidence that spring will come again. Besides which you see, I have confidence in me. Strength doesn't lie in numbers. Strength doesn't lie in wealth. Strength lies in nights of peaceful slumbers when you wake up wake up it's healthy all i trust i leave my heart to all i trust becomes my own i have confidence in confidence alone i have confidence in confidence alone besides which you see i have Start at the very beginning A very good place to start When you read, you begin with A, B, C When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi Do, Re, Mi Do, Re, Mi The first three notes just happen to be Do, Re, Mi Do, Re, Mi Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti Oh, let's see if I can make it easier. Mm. Doe, a deer, a female deer. Ray, a drop of golden sun. Me, a name I call myself. Far, a long, long way to run. So, a needle pulling thread. La, a note to follow so. A drink with jam and bread That will bring us back to dough Oh, 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 dough! A deer, a female deer Ray! 
a drop of golden sun. Me! A name I call myself. Run! A long, long way to run. So, a needle pulling thread. La! A note to follow, so. Now, children, do, re, mi, fa, so, and so on are only the tools we use to build a song. Once you have these notes in your heads, you can sing a million different tunes by mixing them up, like this. So, do, la, fa, mi, do, re. Can you do that? So, do, la, fa, mi, do, re. So, do, la, ti, do. Put it all together. So do la fa mi do re. So do la ti do re do. Good, but it doesn't mean anything. So we put in words, one word for every note, like this. When you know the notes to sing, you. Me, 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 so, so, right.
As we celebrate, or as I celebrate, three great female leads in musicals, we had Doris Day, we've had Julie Andrews, now I'm going to celebrate Sally Ann Howes, who isn't as well known by many people, but you will know her from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that fantastic musical alongside Dick Van Dyke and, of course, The Amazing Car. And we will play a couple of songs from that film very, very soon. But Sally Ann Howes, who sadly passed away at the age of 91 in 2021, didn't just perform in that one film. Here's her version of Let's Face the Music and Dance, which of course was written by Irving Berlin for the film Follow the Fleet, which was written back in 1936, wouldn't you believe?
Face the Music and Dance by Sally Ann Howes. And here she is in, in, uh, in a duet with Robert Goulet. Peter Falk, Columbo, was in this show as well. It's called Brigadoon, and it's almost like being in love. Maybe the sun gave me the power, but I could swim luck low and be home in half an hour. in duet with Robert Goulet and it's almost like being in love and finishing our tribute to the great Sally Ann Howes two songs then from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Lonely Lonely Man and of course Music Box see you again same time next week break a leg
Okay. 
FM streaming from our website and on smart speakers live and local across the Ribble Valley Ribble FM news 